John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. Streaming live at 710sports.com. On demand everywhere on the 710 Seattle Sports app. Now, John Clayton. Okay, time to take your phone calls, and we're taking your calls at 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Let's get started with Jason in Everett. Hey, Jason. Hey, Professor. How are you doing today? Good. How's your thoughts on yesterday's game? I got kind of a two-parter for you. Yeah, One, I'm, I'm I'm confused on, does Jamal Adams want to be a, a linebacker or a defensive end? I don't understand. This is what we miss with Earl Thomas. Why isn't he out there using that speed to run the field and help those cornerbacks that need the help? And well, then my other yeah, part... Yeah, well, I'll take the first one. Uh, okay. First, yeah, first is that, uh, you know, he's not the free safety. He's the strong safety. And so yeah. Quandre Diggs is playing the Earl Thomas role. And so, uh, you know, he's the one that plays deep and has to come up and make plays while, you know, Adams is the playmaker. Gotcha. Okay. And then my second part of the question um, is kind of related to, to last night's game. I just mm-hmm. wanted to comment that um, I, I'm so happy we didn't pull the trigger on Brown. That That's what the problem is with having too many receivers that want the ball is the way they played last night. Yeah. No, you're right about that because, I mean, what you saw is that uh, they just did not look in sync. And it's like, okay, you enter the season and you have a plan. And the plan's working to a point where you're, you're sitting there with a 6-2 and two record. Uh, you have a two-tight-end offense. And they've been able to manage, you know, missing uh, you know, Chris Godwin for some time. Now Godwin came back and, you know, the, you start the game and you get three three-and-outs. And all yeah, of a sudden... Yeah, it looked like Tom was ready, ready to... Like, he knew who he was throwing to before he snapped the ball. He wasn't going through his reads or anything. It was, mm-hmm. he, and that's what went wrong. But anyways, Professor, I appreciate you letting me get on, and you have a good rest of your day. Okay, Jason, thank you. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Let's go to Tim in Renton. Hey, Tim. Hey, Joan. I'm a big fan of your show. Thank you. I um, just wanted to say that the, uh, the defense didn't play bad. Dunlop and Jamal being back is great. And then, second of all, the turnovers is what caused the problem because the defense couldn't get settled. And then that was no one's fault either. That's just, you know, the coaches were out coached, and that's going to happen once every, you know, six, once out of every 16 games. Yeah, and when, uh, you know, they certainly uh, did a great job with Sean McDermott using the blitz as much as he did. You know, that caused communication problems uh, because that, that, wor- that worked. I mean, it was weird that the defensive line actually did a pretty good, very good job yesterday. But then, you know, everything was unsettled in the back seven. And so, uh, you know, and uh, you, you saw the strategy. I mean, what they came out in the first two drives, uh, they only had one running play, but they were able to get, uh, you know, move the ball with the pass and be able to get two touchdowns and jump off 14 to nothing. Yeah, thanks, John. Love okay, thanks, Tim. 866-979-ESPN, uh, uh, 206-421-ESPN. Let's go to Michael in Vancouver. Hey, Michael. Hey, how's it going? Good, how are you? Well, yeah, we're uh, doing good, doing good. Uh, well, it looks like we're at the halfway point, and we kind of know uh, who we are a little bit. Uh, we are a really bad defensive team as far as on the pass. Um, but the key to our success is the turnover battle. I mean, the games we've won, we've won the turnover battle. Uh, and Russ really has to play kind of an MVP level. He can't uh, turn the ball over. Uh, that's been the key to our success uh, and our wins yeah. is winning that turnover battle. Um, the one positive note on the, the defense yesterday is we got seven sacks. So that's at least moving in the right direction. Uh, the negative note is, oh, man, the, I don't know how many – third and longs and third and second forevers they had, but they just played and converted. 
and it looked easy. Uh, that was disheartening, and um, you know that's something. Hopefully, we can improve as uh, we get guys back healthy. Uh, but that's got to improve if we want to. I mean, we want to be a Super Bowl team. Oh yeah, no doubt. Us beating teams like mm. the Saints or the Packers, mm-hmm. but we can't get that short up. Uh, no, but, okay. You know, it reminds me of the 2018 uh, Kansas City Chiefs. You know, the 218 Chiefs had an MVP, which was Patrick Mahomes with 50 touchdown passes, but the defense wasn't as good, and so they ended up not going to the Super Bowl. They got to the championship game. But that's the thing. Once you get into the playoffs, you have to play the top quarterbacks, and that's where you can lose. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, but, you know, yesterday, I think it just getting offensively, we still put up 34 points. We've mm-hmm. had some explosive plays, but it gets the turnovers. Uh, four turnovers is just that's just way too many, and you can't beat good teams like the Bills. Uh, and then the Bills played an excellent game. <laughs> yeah, they played a fantastic game. I mean, they executed everything they wanted to execute, both offensively and defensively. Uh, the other thing that I saw uh, our weakness is we we struggle against the blitz. Um, and this happened in the Arizona game. It looks it seems like uh, we just don't get it picked up, or there's too many rushers, and Russell's looking the opposite direction. And he just gets blindsided mm-hmm. um, by free rushers. So that's something we need to find a way to shore up, either changing protection, changing the play, uh, picking up the blitz, um, you know, keeping more guys in the block. I don't know what the how to fix it, but that's something that seems to be a weakness of ours that has reoccurred in this game and also that Arizona game, which uh, cost us these the two losses that we have. No doubt. Hey, Michael, thank you for the call. Thank you. All right, let's go to Shay in Tacoma. Hey, Shay. How you doing, John? Good. How are you? Thanks for uh, having me. Um, so I just wanted to know, what's the, what are the chances that Ken Norton gets fired? Because I, I, you know, I read an article on, on SB Nation, um, the, the field goal site, and you know, it talked about how you know, back in 2012, the Baltimore Ravens, they fired their offensive coordinator cam cameron you know they were nine and four doing just fine um but they saw that they needed a change and they won the super bowl that year so what are the chances that pete kind of you know finds the courage and lets go of his friend i don't I, I, it would, I think, this, I think this is a, a, that's a postseason decision you know because you have a little bit of internal strife on that because again you know the the linebacking core are so indebted to uh you know what You've had Ken Norton Jr. do with them, you know, particularly K.J. Wright and Bobby Wagner. And so, uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, you, you, you make the decision at the end of the year, not this early. And then who are you going to have to come in? You know, Dan Quinn, I can't imagine, you know, he's been fired, but he can't come in. I mean, you know, I know that uh, it's like who's going to be who's going to be calling the defensive plays? Yeah, I don't know. Just somebody somebody needs to come in and just with a, a fresh set of eyes, it seems like, though, and because some of these these. uh other teams they just pick us apart and there there's yeah. got to be something that can be done to you know help shore up some of that you know how easily teams can pass the ball on us and and i realize that in some of our other games we've been up and that's why teams were able to just you know pass on us because we're running basically a prevent but you know the way that the bills were moving the ball in that first half it was just like oh my gosh mm-hmm. this is, is killing me just to watch how easily they're able to move the ball and Something needs to be done, and I realize you know injuries um, are there, and that that impacts. But there there's got to be something that they do to to help 
turn this the secondary round because it, it looks pitiful out yeah, there. Yeah, it really does. And that's it's one I thought that was going to be one of the strengths of the team, the secondary. Now, again, injuries have played a factor. I mean, you can see that uh, Dunbar is laboring with that knee injury. No Shaquille Griffin, no uh, Ugo Amadi. You know, wasn't the best game for DJ Reed. You know, Adams is just coming off his injury, and he made plays, but, uh, you know, he got beat in coverage, and so that's not good. Hey, Shay, thank you for the phone call. Let's go to Joe in Tacoma. Hey, Joe. Hey, Professor. Thank you for uh, taking my call. Uh, one thing I, I noticed, I don't know if this is the COVID season and the lack of an offseason, but it looks like these guys aren't communicating well. I don't know, um, I hate to compare it to the LOB, but one thing they did well was they played together and they communicated. You don't really see that on the back end. What do you think about that? Yeah, and it was it's so weird because, I mean, for the first three quarters of last week's game against San Francisco, you know, against in the San Francisco game, they did such a great job of that, you know, communicating, you know, getting everything in. But I think just things got chaotic and out of control, and they just lost their way. Now they have to find a way to get that back. Yeah, I, I, would, I thought since uh, uh, Diggs and uh, Jamal Adams were, were good friends, yeah. that they would be a better communicating backfield, but it doesn't seem that way. Yeah, it's just, I mean, all all options right now are there for criticism because, again, when you give up 400 and some yards and you're giving up 362 yards passing a game, you know, something is amiss and they've got to get it fixed because now you have to say now these two games are the two most important for the season right now because if you lose these games, <coughs> then you could lose the division. And if you lose the division, you're not going to the Super Bowl. That's hey, right. Thank you for the phone calls, and thank you, everybody, for the phone calls. And, of course, uh, you know, everybody's trying to figure it out right now, as are the coaching staff. And, of course, you might you want to listen to the show. You can listen to it via the 710 Sports app. It's powered by the Dubin Law Group. Coming up next, we get out the report card. It's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. It's time for the report card with the professor. And a report card we get out each day. We look at the good, the bad, the ugly, the smart, the stupid, what people say, what people do. We take the stories, we take the anecdotes, we take the social media comments, and we also take the voices and we attach a grade to it. And so Curtis Rogers has the report card and now he's going to give it to us. Well, John, let's start today's report card looking at last night's New Orleans Tampa Bay game because the Bucks just got absolutely dragged by the by the uh, Saints all game long uh 38-3 New Orleans won Bruce Arians following the game last night uh none too pleased with his team's effort second half I thought we we got to turn over and we don't score a touchdown I thought that kind of was end of it right then and there and uh but I mean I've given New Orleans credit they they kicked our ass in every phase every phase Mm -hmm. for sure it was uh unrelenting New Orleans was last night and most of it was self-inflicted by Tampa Bay. John, how are we grading the Bucks just getting absolutely rolled last night? Yeah, I mean I think that it just shows that the division still remains Drew Brees, Sean Payton, and the New Orleans Saints. I mean you know, that's two whippings right now that they've put on the Bucks, and you know, uh, you don't want to call them the pretenders because, again, you know, they brought in Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, you know, Leonard Fournette. But, I mean, you say what you want, but I think that, you know, both the team and the offense and the play calling seem to go because, I mean, they only had five running plays in the game. Now, again, when you're down that early and that often and have to just throw, 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 but it came out, you know, three, three, three and outs to start the game. And then uh, Brees 
Brady just started having the turnover. I mean, it was just an absolute embarrassment. And I think you can see that's exactly what the, you know, Bruce Arians. But I think what it shows is that, okay, you think you're ready to do it, but you're not. I mean, this division remains New Orleans. Yeah, I'm going to give the Bucks last night uh, an F, uh, but holy cow, that loss could not have happened to uh, a more deserving bunch of guys because I feel like last night, John, the football gods were frowning upon Tampa Bay for adding Antonio Brown to that mm-hmm. roster because whatever you want to say about Antonio Brown, you cannot you cannot ignore what he has done in his past. And just from a football perspective, adding him to that roster didn't make a whole lot of sense. And then you tack on everything that he's done in his past. Uh, I kind of feel like the football gods were raining on Tampa Bay's parade in a big way last night. So shout out to them yeah. for restoring order and making sure that uh, you know you make a move like that. You got to have some some pay. You got to have some collateral to pay up if you want it to go your way. Also, John on the report card, very interesting story coming from the Cougs' victory over Oregon State. Head coach Nick Rolovich uh, revealed that the team was down 32 players on Saturday night as they took on Oregon State. So, uh, you know, there wasn't really a list of who was on on the missing players list, but you could kind of infer as to why 32 players were not suited up, likely due to COVID. Well, Nick Rolovich was asked about this by a member of the media in attendance uh, at Reacher Stadium down in Corvallis during his postgame press conference. Uh, here is that exchange as somebody asked Rolovich about the 32 players and Rolovich quickly shutting him down. You said 32 guys unavailable. Were, were some of those related to COVID at all? Or are you able to, 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 say, to say that much at least? Hey, come on. We're, we're celebrating a great for Pac-12 win. Let's not talk about it. Oh, I know. Still, still a storyline, though. So that's what I was asking. That's all. You should talk. I'm giving you four stories: O line, defense, Edmund, Dion, boom. That's four days of stories. No Corona. Thank you, coach. Thanks. We'll be right back. John, not a good way to introduce yourself to the the media that's about to be covering you for however long you're going to be the head coach of the Cougs. How are we grading Nick Rolovich's response to a, a simple follow-up yeah. question to the information that he provided? A D. I mean, you can't give him a good grade for the way he responded because, again, it's like, you know, the, the, those things are so important to be able to find out because, I mean, there's a threshold right now that's there if you don't have the numbers. Like, for example, if you have COVID testing and you've, you fail some tests and you have a certain – that's why we had two games that were canceled over the weekend uh, in the Pac-12. <clears throat> so I think that, you know, just be honest on that it's like if 32 guys are missing you know give a reason so i give him a d i'm gonna give him an f i think it was a very fair question and being in the media we would not be doing our job if we didn't ask those kinds of questions and i get the sense that nick rolovich may have a a bit of misunderstanding as to what the job what the role of the media is supposed to be in those kinds of instances we're not there to just be a pr extension for coaches and athletes we're not just there to report on the good we got to report on the bad too and in in an instance like that uh yeah it may be uncomfortable to talk about it especially after following a win a huge win a road win your first win in your new job but the information you know people want to know why there was that many players absent from the game 
uh, you know, we're not just there to, to pump you up when you're feeling good. We're also there to report on, on the uncomfortable stuff, too. Uh, Nick Rolovich could stand to learn a little bit uh, over the next couple of weeks here, uh, especially if there's more absences, more unexcused absences, or, or more unaccounted uh, for absences with his team. I give him an F for that answer. It was, it was, a, it was not a good way to endear himself no. uh, to the people that were covering him. And then finally, John, on the report card, uh, yesterday we got the sad news uh, in the morning time about the passing of legendary longtime Jeopardy host Alex Trebek, who uh, was a huge sports fan in his own right, a uh, big hockey fan because he's from Canada. Uh, he spent a lot of time following the Lakers because he lived in L.A. Uh, just a tremendous, tremendous host. He hosted for years and years and years. Jo- John, I know you and Pat watch Jeopardy every, every night. Every night, yeah. yeah. Um, me and my wife, we watch Jeopardy every night. It's just a, a staple of everything. that, Or it's just a staple. 7.30 at night, you, you click it on, you answer your questions. It's just great entertainment. Uh, but... Alex Trebek passing away yesterday uh, due to complications from pancreatic cancer at the age of 80. Uh, one of his final episodes, Trebek uh, had a contestant on who you what English was his second language. And here in this clip, he explained to Trebek just how much he helped him learn English over the years. The new champion, 20400 for Bert Packer. Any family members uh, back home uh, cheering you on? You know, here's a true story, man. Uh, I grew up, I learned English because of you. And so my grandfather, who, who raised me, I'm going to get tears right now. He, we used, I used to sit on his lap and watch you every day. So it's a pretty special moment for me, man. Thank you very much. I mean, just think about wow. the impact he's had, you know, mm-hmm. teaching people mm-hmm. English, not not by any, you know, him not saying, like, repeat after me, but just hosting the show. People were able to learn English from Alex Trebek. I mean, his impact on pop culture is, is so widespread. John, how are we grading, you know, just the life and career and, and just the person that was Alex Trebek? Oh, A+. Plus. I mean, don't you have to say that he's the greatest host of any uh, game show that you've ever yes. seen. He's so smooth because again, he's able to pick up the pace. You know, he's able to you know make sure that you know all the questions get answered for the most part. I mean, he's just remarkable in what he's able to do, and it's going to be so missed. And I guess what the last show that he's going to have is going to be in December. Yeah, the they were able to record up until October 29th, so they have mm-hmm. a few episodes stashed away. Uh, the final episode that he was host for will air on Christmas Day. So wow. uh, December 25th, about a month and a half from now, uh, will be the final episode of Alex Trebek that we'll get a watch. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what they uh, are able to do tonight. Uh, I'm maybe some sort of retrospective or whatever, but uh, yeah, just an incredible, incredible legacy he leaves behind. Shout out to Alex Trebek, A plus for him and A plus in his career. That is it for today's report card, John. Okay, and of course, uh, be sure to check out the professor's notes on 710sports.com. The professor's notes are brought to you by Infinity of Tacoma at Fife. Coming up next, we're going to go into Vizzy Hard Seltzer text line, taking your text questions at 710-710. It's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airline Studios. On demand with the 710 Seattle Sports app. It is time to go on a busy hard seltzer text line and take your text questions. Text us at 710-710. Curtis, what do we have? This one leading us off from the 509, John. They want to know, do you think Russell Wilson may have lost his lead in the MVP race yesterday? No, I don't think so. I mean, he's still 
I mean, what he had the second uh, highest number of uh, uh, was the second highest number for yards yesterday. I mean, you know, certainly the turnovers don't help. But no, again, it's like uh, this was a little bit of a clunker of a game for him. But I mean, Rodgers has had one, and so I think he still has the lead. I mean, the only one he I think you'd have to worry about now at eight and one is Patrick Mahomes. This one from the two five three, John. Uh, we get this question a lot because I think there's some confusion as to who calls the plays defensively between Ken Norton and Pete Carroll. They want to know uh, who does the majority of play calling on the defense. Is it Carroll or is it Ken Norton? Ken Norton. I mean, he's the one that calls the plays. <clears throat> you know, Pete will come over maybe in something that he sees and make a suggestion and try to at least maybe alter something if he sees something that he wants in there. But no, it's it's uh, it's Ken Norton Jr. This one comes to us from the 425. They want to know, when do you think we'll get to see Michael Kendricks this season? Hmm, good question. It's like right now, uh, <laughs> they can't find a way because of the injuries at running back and cornerback to get Snacks Harrison on the field, and that uh, you know that could cost them. But I'd say right now, uh, you know, there's no timetable for that. This one goes to the 509. They want to know, Professor, do you think if Chris Carson or Rashad Penny were ready to go next Sunday, would that alleviate some of the sacks and pressure Russell Wilson's been facing? I think so, yeah. Because, again, it gives them the ability to get some of those short yardage play and run after the catch and doesn't put everything on the passing game. So I think he would be a huge addition of both of those guys to come back because I think you can see it. It's like, okay, uh, DJ and uh, DJ. Dallas and uh, you know naturally everybody else they're just not good enough right now to equal what they've lost in those two players. Two five three wants to know John, do you think the Seahawks call Vic Beasley this week? I would think so. I mean, I think it would be a bad consideration, <clears throat> particularly you don't want to not knowing how long it's going to take for Benson Mayoa, and so I would think you know Vic Beasley would be somebody. I think that would be a good fit. From the three six zero, they want to know, John, what percentage chance do you give Seattle replacing Ken Norton during the season? Uh, I still give it a two percent chance. You can never say never, but I'd say it's not going to happen. I mean, they're going to stand by him and give him the chance to get this thing going. Uh, this one comes to us from the five zero three. They want to know, John. Uh, how likely is it J.J. Watt has played his final season with the Texans? Uh, words coming out yesterday is probably definite that it's going to happen. They're going to trade him after the season. And so uh, as bad as it is, <clears throat> it's the, the heartbeat seems to be going that this is going to be his last year in Houston. This one goes to the 253. They want to know, how would you grade Carlos Dunlap's Seattle debut? I'd give him a, a B plus. I thought he did really well. I mean, because, again, you can see that, you know, what he was able to do and how they had to hold him back, you know, blocking him, that it opened things up in the middle for Jaron Reed. And there hasn't been anything like that uh, since uh, the departure of Frank Clark. The 3-6-L wants to know, John, has the secondary leapfrogged the pass rush now on Seattle's list of concerns? Yes, I'd say so. Yeah, no question. Because, again, you know, 10 sacks in two games, that's something that you haven't seen. And so and you can see there's hope there because, you know, you got the additions of Rasheen Green coming off the injured list, you know, Dunlap making a good debut, and then Jaron Reed coming over, Puna Ford making some plays. So, yeah, I'd say right now it definitely is leapfrogged. Couple of texts coming in from the four two five and the two oh six. They want to know: Do you think Earl Thomas could help out Seattle no. secondary? No. <clears throat> no, I think that they're not going to go that way. And again, I can't. It's still in the case. You know, if Earl comes in, he's going to be the third safety, and that doesn't that doesn't bode well. So no, the answer on that one's a hundred percent no. 
Uh, this one from the 206, John. Uh, it's been since 2014 since we've had a cold-weather Super Bowl. They want to know, do you think the NFL ever goes back to a cold-weather city? Oh, yeah, they'll, they'll do it. But, uh, you know, it's it's still going to be reluctant because, again, they're going to have to start taking care of the L.A. teams, you know, uh, with the L.A. stadium and also with Vegas and all that stuff. So, you know, they try to do that maybe once every 10 years, and they try to maybe do it to into a, a dome stadium. But, uh, you know, we did have the one in New York that Seattle went to. That was a good one, uh, yeah. as many people here would remember. I think that's why they want to have another cold weather Super Bowl. Remember that one fondly. From the 253, they want to know, John, how likely is it we see Snacks Harrison next week? You would have to think so. But again, I think you know the worry is, because you'd have to think, if you can't get Snacks Harrison on the field, uh, he's not going to stick around that long. I mean, he's going to go someplace else. He could have gone to Tampa a few weeks ago, but his loyalty to stay here you know, caused him to not uh, take that deal. And so you can see the way he tweeted the other day. He's getting a little frustrated. You can understand the problems that Pete Carroll has right now in the sense that you know, you're know, you down two, sometimes three running backs. You Cornerbacks are all, and you're having guys moving back and forth. But I have to think right now you need to, you need to get him on the field. 425, wanting to know, John, is Minnesota getting back to winning all because of Dalvin Cook, or is that offensive line starting to gel? No, I'd say it's uh, well, it's certainly Dalvin Cook because he got 206 yards, but also what it does, it limits Kirk Cousins throwing the ball. I mean, what he only threw like about 20, 22 passes yesterday, and that, that's the strategy that Mike Zimmer wants, but it certainly worked. But then, of course, you don't overreact to it because that was Detroit. And you know how bad Detroit is with Matt Patricia. Oh. He's back on the firing block, by the way, (laughs) after getting to three wins. 509 wants to know, was the Raiders' reverse play at the end of the game a good call by the booth? Uh, I, I think so, yeah. I mean, it's like a, it, it didn't look like it was uh, a catch. There was certainly some questions on how close he was to the line and all that and whether he got both feet in. So I think it was a good call. 206, they want to know, John, at, at this point, would Josh Gordon even help the Seattle offense get any better? Uh, at this stage, I think you just write it off. I mean, you know, the offense is doing well enough. It's just that you know they got to not make the turnovers. You know, the running game right now is more of the concern than the pass game. Two five three wants to know, John, is it too late for Tua to make a run at the Rookie of the Year race? Yes, I think so. He's too far behind. I mean, you know, because I, mean, I can't see him because you got Joe Burrow and uh, Justin Herbert doing such good work, and I, I have to think right now it's going to be too late. Yeah, he does have half a season, but it's still half a season. This one, John, from the 509, they want to know, what do you make of Pittsburgh's close call yesterday against the beat-up Cowboys team? Yeah, well, that's the typical Tom Tomlin. He has one or two of those a year where he plays bad against, or the team plays bad against a bad team. But, uh, you know, fortunately, Ben Roethlisberger survived the knee ailment that he had and was able to fight through and get the win. So uh, that was pretty tight. This one comes to us from the 253. They want to know, John, what are the chances DK Metcalf leads the league in receiving yards this season? I think there's a chance. I mean, he's that good. I mean, that's one that, uh, you know, you, you wouldn't write it off because, I mean, he gets pretty much 100 yards a week and, I don't know, 1,600 yards. I mean, again, there's so much more passing right now that, uh, you know, it's it's been tough, but stay tuned. Yeah, he would destroy the mm-hmm. Seahawks' single-season receiving record if he got 1,600 yards. I believe only two people have ever had more than 1,200 yards. Uh, that would be Steve Largent and Corn Robinson. So th- that would be a, a tremendous season. 
John425 wants to know, what is your score prediction for tonight's clunker between the Patriots and the Jets? Mm, what do you think? Uh, 14-10? Is that going to be that <laughs> Two bad? to nothing? Yeah, two something? to nothing. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> it's not good. I mean, you know, and then uh, Belichick has put so many more of his players on the injured list because uh, they're not going to be playing. I mean, it's, it's, this one's going to be really bad. I mean, you know, it's it's sad to say, but my old network always seems to end, get the bad end of uh, some bargains in that. And, of course, New England games are always something that they're trying to get, but this one's just going to be horrible. Yeah, wasn't there last week a rumor kind of floating around that ESPN is trying to get a better package with their Monday night group and, and move it to ABC, something like that? Yeah. Any new news you're hearing Well, the, the thing that, I mean, you know they're going to align with ABC because, you know, they're not going to pay twice the amount that uh, just for the cable rights because again you have cable bundling going down and all those different things and so I would have to think that uh, you know they're, they're, what they what they want to do is they want to bid up the Sunday night games because at least with the Sunday night games you have the flexibility of flexing where you don't have the flexibility of flexing on the Monday night games this one comes to us from the 425 they want to know John what is the one thing right now you would change with Seattle's defense Hmm. I would change right now. I think you have to probably go less man, more zone because the man was just getting torn apart in the times that they were doing it. And so uh, I'd have to say that would be it. 253 wants to know, John, how would you grade Seattle's interior offensive line so far this season? Mm, pretty good. I mean, Ethan Posick's had a real good year. Damon Lewis is one of the best uh, young offensive linemen in the league right now. And, you know, at uh, right guard, I mean, Jordan Simmons has been a little bit up and down. Uh, there's the talk, though, that maybe they're going to get Mikey Apati back uh, for this game against the Rams. Uh, another uh, this one from the nine one six. They want to know after their win yesterday. Do you think the Dolphins are for real? Uh starting to look like it. Yeah, because if Tua plays like he did and you know wins a shootout against Kyler Murray, then all of a sudden, I mean, they're they're doing some good things. Now again, they're I still think they're basically a six seven, I mean, about a seven or eight win team, but uh, they are much improved. And what's interesting about this is that you know. Joe Burrow and I think Justin Herbert are right now two of the leading candidates for Rookie of the Year. But uh, you know you can see it's still not making a difference in the win totals because their teams are either being either poor coached or not doing as well uh, and not winning the games. But uh, you can see that the Dolphins roster is better enough where you give if Tua can have a good game, you can win. That is going to do it for text questions. Okay, and of course uh, we are going to come back with our daily dose of the Gros with Dave Grosby. It's the John Clayton Show, seven ten ESPN Seattle. It's John Clayton. Powered through the Alaska Airlines studio. Two hours every day, 10 to noon. Streaming live at 710sports.com. On demand on the 710 Seattle Sports app. It is time for our daily dose of the Gras with Dave Grosby. So, Dave, of course, uh, uh, everybody, rightfully so, is sounding off on the pad pass coverage and how, how that is. What were your thoughts on yesterday's disaster? The pass coverage was not good. That, that's for sure. Uh, defense was not good. It was, uh, it was uh, just a, a depressing outing from the Seahawks standpoint defensively. I mean, offensively, they had their problems, but they still managed to score 34 points. Um, you know, it's funny that they actually were, were at a point where it was 27 to 20 in the fourth quarter on a third down play. You know, uh, got a got a penalty that allowed Buffalo to get a first down and score and and wrap, wrap up the game. So. They actually had a shot to, to make it competitive at the end, but didn't. And uh, it was uh, certainly disappointing when they added those players, considering what the defense had done in three quarters against San Francisco. Uh, but, um, you know, you're 6-2 and two at the halfway point. 
and uh, you're, you're in pretty good position going into the second half of the season, but clearly you've got issues on defense. Yeah, no doubt. And I don't know. I mean, uh, looking at how bad it was yesterday, I mean, is it fixable? Sure. I mean, you're not playing Buffalo every week, and, and that's that's a good team that's going to win 10, 11, maybe 12 games even and, and win the AFC East. Um, you know, you're Carlos Dunlop's first game back. Uh, Jamal Adams' first game back after a bunch of uh, time off. Uh, you had a Quentin Dunbar, a walking wounded guy out there. So you had, you had some excuses, but that doesn't change the fact that you've had struggle on defense throughout. Uh, my point would be, that you had before that game, you know, arguably, I think some numbers had shown the worst defense the league had ever seen in terms of yards and things like that, and you were 5-1. and one. So is your offense good enough to, to overcome a bad defense is the question. Uh, and the first half of the season tells us most definitely yes. And can the defense get better in the second half of the season? Well, I'm not going to give you Pete Carroll's blanket optimism, but adding, adding Dunlop and, and having Adams healthy and, and hopefully getting a few more players back, it can be. It doesn't mean that it will be, but it can be. And the other thing that you took out of yesterday was that uh, you saw a lot of other flawed teams play. So, um, you know, I, as I said, I, I think you, you know you're in you're in a pretty good spot at six and two. Uh, you got a clear area where you got to improve. Look, it's going to help your defense to get your offense, to keep your offense on the field a little bit longer, and that's going to change when you get a running game back. I mean, they're playing without a running game basically. So, you know, we'll look at the second half schedule. You play two teams with a winning record at this point. The Rams you play twice, uh, and the Cardinals. Otherwise, it's it's a it's an easy coast. So we'll we'll see what they can do in the second half of the season. They need to get better on defense for sure if they want to go far in the postseason. But they've already shown in the first half of the season that they can be a winning team with this offense mm-hmm. and a bad defense. Yeah, and of course now it's a matter of going against a Ram team that's a little bit more of a running team than a passing team. And of course you got a, a not a immobile quarterback but a quarter a pocket passing quarterback and you saw that worked against uh with jimmy garoppolo i mean maybe they're able to do some good things with him but they've got to have better communication and they got to try to make sure that they cut down on the mistakes clearly i mean clearly i mean you know that seven sacks yesterday which is you know everyone is was you know clanging that that sacks and that that uh that horn that you know they they can't get any sacks they can't put any pressure on the quarterback what they did yesterday and it didn't didn't do anything. The game plan was not good yesterday. I mean, it sounded like Pete Carroll said in the press conference afterwards they expected Buffalo to run, and I don't know why they would have expected that mm-hmm. uh, based on how bad the Seahawks' pass defense has been. I understand how the Bills played week before against New England and how they've played, but you know, you look at the Seahawks and how they've played defense, you're going to throw on them until they can show you they can stop it, and especially when you saw how, how injured they were in the secondary. So uh, it was a tough way to end the first half, but um, you know, I reiterate, 6-2, and two, a very good first half of, of, of football uh, with a bad defense, by the way. It's not like all of a sudden the defense presto overnight became bad. It's been bad the entire first half, and you're on pace to win 12 games. So you've got some time to get some things fixed, but uh, we'll see if they've got the wherewithal to actually do that. No doubt. Uh, it's still uncharacteristic, I guess, but the one of the, with, with Russell Wilson having four turnovers. But uh, right. what I'm wondering about now, are more teams going to take the idea that the best thing to do with this one is to blitz? Well, I mean, that's fine. They get, get, get Chris Carson back in that backfield and let me run a little play-action pass and, and uh, let, let, let him pay the price for that. I mean, you know, you're operating on offense without a running game, period. I mean, mm-hmm. no running game. Um, so, you know, if you get Carson back there or Hyde, and I don't know about Penny if he's going to be even eligible to play, but you expect Carson to be back and or Hyde to be back, that's fine. I mean, I'm not, I'm not concerned at all about the Seahawks offense, and I understand Russell Wilson had his second off game in the last three, and 
You know, I think it's only the second time in his career he's had four turnovers. I don't expect to see that, but you know, he is operating without any kind of play action, any kind of running game whatsoever, which is not going to be the case going into the second half of the season. So I think once you get Chris Carson back, once you get Carlos Hyde back, once you get a semblance of the running game back, uh, the, the things that we saw on offense are going to take care of themselves. That's yeah. my opinion. Washington State comes off with a nice victory to start the season, uh, and of course the Pac-12 season now underway at least mm-hmm. for eight or for eight of the teams. And so, uh, nice win for uh, Nick Rolovich. Great way to start. Uh, they, the, you know, it was it was familiar in that it was a passing offense, but you see the difference between the air raid and the run and shoot. Um, he got he had the quarterback that he wanted. I like that decision, by the way. Um, you know, even though it's a true freshman, you don't see it much. I mean, this was the guy that he was gonna. He was going to go with before he came to Washington State. He's a kid. He's recruited, um, you know, throughout there at Hawaii. He believed in him, and if you believe in him, play him. I mean, if, if that's the case, and and he, he justified that belief. They've got some good pieces on offense. I'm not sure how good Oregon State is, but like we've been talking about, it's kind of hard to get a get a read, get a handle on the Pac-12 because they started so late. But that was a very nice way to begin. Oregon State hasn't been bad, and uh, they look very good on offense, and they've got some weapons there on offense. So definitely a good start for Washington State. Yeah, no doubt, and of course uh, they they got that win, and of course uh, now they got a tough one coming up because they have to take on Oregon this week. Yeah, that they look good, and they look very good, as a matter of fact. Um, you know, uh, against against Stanford, and and um, that that Mario Cristobal is looks like he's got that machine up and running. You know, the thing about Oregon uh, was in, in, in believing that they were going to dip, and I never really did because you know we've talked about it in the in the past and and, and with other things, uh, other topics, but. Oregon's got uh, 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 facilities that, that rival the very best in the country, the very best, meaning the SEC. And uh, that's always going to be of appeal to recruits, always. So, you know, it's just a question of getting the right guy in there. Uh, and, uh, you know, the Oregon can, you know, when you take a trip there and you see what they've got, they've got the facilities to, to match anyone. So there's no reason why they wouldn't be good. There's no reason why they would be down for a significant period of time. I don't think that's going to be that's true. Of, that, that's true of any team. Doesn't matter where you are nowadays. It matters what kind of facilities you have. If you've got top flight facilities, you can be successful. And the Oregon does and is. No doubt. And of course that's gonna be, you know, kind of fun to, to kind of watch that one. And of course now we get to see you know Washington hopefully this week make their debut. Yeah. What else caught your eye on college football this weekend? Um you know how bad Michigan is, uh, you know, and that's kind of a left handed compliment to our pal Tom Wassell's uh, alma mater, Indiana, but Indiana drilled Jim Harbaugh's Michigan team. Uh, they are they were were ranked and, and now they're not. They, they haven't beaten been able to beat Michigan State, who beat him the week before. He hasn't beaten Ohio State yet, so uh, I would think that that uh, and and I, I know some Michigan alums who are very very disappointed in what they're seeing. Uh, 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 perhaps a win over Ohio State would change that, but I would think Jim Harbaugh is in is in serious trouble. Uh, at the University of Michigan, and I don't know if he's got if he's got NFL um, prospects at this point, but I would think that that uh, unless they make a dramatic turnaround, and that's going to include beating Ohio State, I believe this will be his last year in Michigan. Yeah, because like he's he's on what his contract runs out after uh, the 2021 season. Well, it wouldn't matter if he had five yeah. years left. I mean, they got yeah. enough money to pay a, pay a coach off, and they would. But you know, the, there's certain schools where you've got to do certain things, and. Michigan is one of those schools, and, and those things are beating Michigan State. That's got to happen, period. And beating Ohio State occasionally. And he's done neither. And you just doesn't, doesn't matter if you're you winning nine, ten games. So John Cooper had the opposite happen when he was Ohio State coach back in the eighties and nineties. He could beat everyone but Michigan, and you can't stay. 
So he's got to he's got to beat Ohio State to even have a shot, I think, to survive beyond this year. No doubt. And of course, uh, that's our daily dose of the Grosby with Dave Grosby. Dave, you're going to be watching that Patriot Jet game tonight. Uh, well, John, let me put it to you this way: I, I will turn it on. Yeah. Okay. Good point. Good point. <laughs> I'll turn it on. I'm not sure how long I'm going to hang in, though. Yeah, it's going to be tough. All righty. That's our daily dose of the Grosby with Dave buddy. Grosby. Okay, sounds good. And we'll be back tomorrow at ten. John Clayton shows seven ten ESPN Seattle.